Welcome to the GMC Podcast, the place where you can find all the sermon highlights and other highlights from the team at GMC, Gillespie Memorial Church in Dunfermline, Scotland. This week, we bring you our guest preacher, Pastor Michael Veach, who is CARE's Parliamentary Officer in Scotland. We are delighted to welcome him. But before we get to his word, let's take a time of prayer. Let's pray. All-knowing and all-seeing Father, we are here this morning to confess our constant need of you and to thank you for all your goodness to us. You are our awesome Father, and you have provided for all our needs, and we have few words to express our thanks and gratitude. Creator God, we are in awe of the wonders of your creation, and we ask for your forgiveness when we do not care for our world, and especially when we do not share all of the resources we are given with those most in need. We see the glory of the changing seasons, the changing colours all around us, and we marvel that you have made all of this. The sun, the moon and the stars are your creation, and you have entrusted us with caring for all of your creation. Thank you, Father. Loving Father, you are our light and our life. You are with us in the worst of times and in the best of times. You lead us out of our darkness and into your light. You comfort and protect us and you give us the confidence to face each new day and each new challenge. When we are in our darkest places, we rely on you and turn to you, but forgive us when we fail to acknowledge that you are, authors of, you are the author of all things and are there with us when we are celebrating our successes. Lord, in our joys and in our sorrows, help us to rely solely on you. Thank you that you bless us each and every minute of our day and you are with us. You have blessed us with friends and family who journey with us and support and encourage us. Help us to encourage others and to journey with them as they seek you. Father, forgive us when we are too busy with our own concerns and fail to listen to you and for you. When we put our needs before the needs of others and we forget that you have a special commission for each and every one of us. Thank you for the gifts we have, but teach us to use them wisely and to be beacons of your light and love to others we meet as we journey with you. Father, breathe your Holy Spirit into each of us so that we can be more like Jesus, obedient to your calling and a listening people, ready to do your will here in our own community and as an army of your people. Bless us now, Father, in the name of our Saviour and Lord Jesus. Amen. Following the prayer, I hope your heart has been stilled and prepared for God's word today to reach you where you are. If anything you hear in today's word from God and in the sermon challenges you, maybe raising questions and you want to know more about how we can support you in your faith, or maybe how you might like to support GMC in our ministry for the kingdom, then please contact us through our website, gillespiechurch.org. Now, over to our preacher. Um, I have to say, I have preached here before. My name is Michael Veach. Um, I was um, an elder alongside Mike in Dunbar Parish Church a number of years ago. So that's how I, I know your minister. 
And I think last time I was here, if I, yeah, it was, I was pastoring a church in um, North Northumberland, a, a little town called uh, Wooler. And we, we were there until um, end of October last year. And, uh, and then at that stage, Laura and I and the kids ended up relocating up here to Fife. So we're now in St. Andrews um, uh, by the providence of God. It wasn't really planned. Um, and I can talk more about that later uh, afterwards to anybody. But anyway, we're here in, in, in Fife with you, fellow laborers for God's kingdom with you in the kingdom of Fife, which is, is wonderful. Uh, we're worshiping at Cornerstone Church in St. Andrews, and I'm working at the moment for Care for Scotland, so doing work uh, for the Lord in the political arena, and, and there's lots to do there. So that's where we're at, and as I say, it's a real joy to be asked to come down to Dunfermline today to this beautiful building. Just driving into the town just struck what a big place Dunfermline is and how wonderful it is that to have this church here right in the middle of this big town uh, and, and the gospel going out from here. So we're going to read together from John chapter 6 this morning. I, I know that um, you're not allowed to have few Bibles at the moment because of the restrictions. Uh, if anyone has a Bible with them, then do keep it open at John 6 because it's a very long chapter and we're only going to look at one verse this morning, but I will cross-reference quite a bit to other parts of, of the chapter. So there we go, it's up in the screens, uh, reading from the, the NIV this morning. So I will read from verses 48 to 54 of John 6. And this is Jesus speaking. I am the bread of life. Your forefathers ate the manna in the desert, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which a man may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. So let's just pray before we come to look at that together. Almighty God, we, we just bow before you now and we thank you for your living word. We ask, gracious God, that your Holy Spirit would come now and uh, anoint the, the reading, the teaching of the scriptures and that each and every one of us would know uh, the power of your Holy Spirit working in us to grant us ears to hear, to understand what it is you are saying to us. Lord, we pray that as a seed from your word is scattered, that it would take root in all of our hearts and the, we, 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 as your word promises us, that it would not return uh, to you empty. So we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So as I say, let's, let's, if, if you do have, have your Bible with you, keep it open at John 6. And uh, it's verse 54 that I want to uh, look at specifically this morning. Verse 54, and I'll read verse 54 again. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day. Now, 
A great deal of what Jesus taught, a great deal of what Jesus taught could be categorized as radical. Uh, the common people were, generally speaking, absolutely amazed. He never heard anything like it. Somewhere it speaks about um, how he spoke as one who had authority, unlike the religious teachers. And of course, Jesus' teaching was actually far too radical for the religious authorities who, who would have considered themselves to be the guardians of religious orthodoxy. And they, of course, quickly realized that he was a threat to them and they had him killed, ultimately. And we could apply something of that, I suppose, to, to the church today, that we, we, we must embrace the, the, all that Jesus taught. Much of what Jesus taught is still considered very radical and very uncomfortable. And uh, if, if, we, if we don't uh, seize hold of all that Jesus taught, uh, then we're not honoring him. We, we must embrace all that he said and not filter out the uncomfortable bits. And I guess this verse before us today is one of the, some ways one of the strangest things perhaps he ever said, certainly very radical, quite hard to understand. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up at the last day. Now, the context of, of this is actually um, the, the, the really well-known account of the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. That had happened a while beforehand. And, of course, as, as a worker of miracles, people were flocking to Jesus. I mean, you can imagine if it happened today, if somebody was going around Fife um, feeding 5,000 people from a tiny little picnic, um, there'd be massive interest. So exactly the same thing was happening in, in Palestine at that time. And, and back in just verse 2 of chapter 6, it says, a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the miraculous signs he had performed on the sick. And having witnessed the, the staggering miracle of the, the feeding of these thousands and thousands of people, we're not surprised that their reaction then was, this is verse 14, after the people saw the miraculous sign that Jesus did, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. This is the prophet who was to come into the world. But the amazing thing is that Jesus was well aware that the people did not fully understand uh, the purpose of him coming. They seem to have some concept of the Old Testament prophecies about the Messiah, about the, the prophet and so forth there, but they didn't fully understand because then John goes on to tell us this, uh, Jesus knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force withdrew again to a mountain by himself. Now Jesus was of course a worker of miracles. He did miracles all the time. But the miracles were never, in fact, the ultimate mission. And he wasn't simply even a prophet. He was a prophet, of course, but he was an awful lot more than a prophet, wasn't he? And again, this is true today that a great many people still believe uh, that quite a lot is true about Jesus, that he was a great man, that he did amazing things. They may even believe he was sent from God and someone whose teachings we should try and live by. But they still fall short of, of the true ultimate purpose of why Jesus Christ came to planet Earth. And that was the mistake that the Jews made to whom Jesus came. They failed to fully comprehend that their own scriptures, indeed the entire history of the Jewish nation, all the way back to, to Abraham, all of that pointed to 
the purpose that Jesus came. All the animal sacrifices, the countless animal sacrifices we read about right through the Old Testament, all the kings, all the kings we read about in Kings and Chronicles, who of course themselves fell short of being perfect kings, and then we think about the prophets themselves, Jeremiah, Isaiah, Ezekiel, whoever else, all of them pointing to the need for a saviour, the need for a saviour. So returning to our, our narrative here in John chapter 6, I'm looking at now up to verse 22 now, and it is the day after the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000, and people are unsurprisingly looking for this man, and, and when they find him, they say this, this is verse 26 now, or Jesus, sorry, Jesus says this, I tell you the truth. You are looking for me, not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. It's interesting, isn't it? I mean, it seems to be Jesus saying there, it's not just or not even the miracle that attracts them. It's the fact that he was providing all this abundance of food. And that's something very attractive, someone that can provide them with an unlimited supply of actual bread and, and fish and food to eat. But what Jesus is saying, of course, is he's drawing the contrast between what may satisfy the body for a time, i.e. literal bread, food, and what will ultimately satisfy our inner selves. He's saying, don't spend your life, as most people do, on merely sustaining the body, which is, I guess, the default position of us all, to, to live to be healthy, to be fulfilled, uh, and happy, and comfortable, and safe. And that's a perfectly normal way of thinking, but... I guess the COVID pandemic, if it's taught us anything at all, is that it is a complete illusion that this world is not and cannot ever be our place of safety. It is a fickle friend at the best of times. And no matter how rich or successful and prosperous we might be, um, it, is no, uh, it is sinking sand, to use another biblical illustration. It is not the rock that we need to build our lives on. And as the dialogue continues here, Jesus uh, makes, or sorry, the crowd, in fact, make reference to the manna. The manna was the miraculous bread, of course, that um, God caused to fall from heaven to feed his people um, in the wilderness in the Old Testament. And this is now verses 31 and 32. Uh, the people say, our forefathers ate the manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, it is not Moses who's given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. So even this miraculous bread, remember some of it was kept in a jar, wasn't it, so they could remember it. Even this miraculous bread, an event quite rightly revered by, um, by the Jews, and even that, even that was vastly inferior to what God was now offering in Jesus himself. And now moving on to verse 49, your forefathers ate the manna in the desert, yet they died. So it's quite a shocking statement. Again, just think about this. So this manna from heaven, huge event in the history of God's people, 
And yet Jesus says to them, your forefathers ate the manna in the desert, yet they died. It's like one level he's pouring cold water upon this, this incredible thing that God did. But the point is this, surely, that much as ordinary bread that you or I would eat today cannot sustain us forever, neither even could the miraculous bread, even the manna couldn't do that. Your people were attracted by the signs and wonders that Jesus was performing. And they wanted the bread that he was able to multiply at the feeding of the 5,000. But you know, even those people that Jesus did raise from the dead, subsequently died again. And that shows us the folly of putting the, the sign, uh, the miracle, the healing, the blessing ahead of the person who gives it. And, we, and people may still do that today. They may still say what the crowd said, somewhat ironically, given that Jesus had just fed uh, 5,000 plus people. In verse 30, they say this, it's quite shocking. What miraculous sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Shocking really, isn't it? That that's what the crowd are saying after all the things Jesus has done. They still want a sign. Now, Scripture, of course, does exhort us, does exhort us to pray for healing of the body, and God sometimes does that, and we, and we thank him for that, but sometimes he doesn't. And, of course, somebody may be healed from an illness uh, and then a week later be struck down by something else. You know, miracles and signs are of value. They were of great value to pointing to the, to the divinity of Jesus in his day, and they are still of some value today. It's signs of God's grace. But they themselves are not and can never be the foundation of true life. What is the foundation? Well, obviously, it is Jesus Christ himself. It is a person. It is the historic and living person of Jesus Christ. And Jesus still bids all people everywhere to come to him to find true life, not to go to the things of the world, not even to go to the miracles that he did and still does sometimes today, but to him, to him, for he is the source of life. And that is the context then in which we come to verse 54. And just very briefly, four very brief comments, and we'll spend most of the time on the first one of these, and then the last three very, very briefly. Um, verse 54 again, Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. You know, the first and, and main and most striking thing about this exhortation to feed on the flesh of Christ and to drink his blood, um, for Jesus says that those who do that are those whom the infinitely precious promises in the remainder of verse 54 are made to. Now, this is not, as, as has historically been understood by some, uh, an idolatry of the sacrament. It's not talking about the, 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 the bread and the wine of the Eucharist or the Mass, uh, which does not, of course, become the actual body and blood of Jesus Christ, as some, as some teach. But the sacrament does help us understand what Jesus was talking about, because he instituted it for that reason. And in Luke's Gospel, 
We read that Jesus took the bread, gave thanks, broke it, gave it to them, saying, this is my body given for you, do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. So, so the bread that we still eat at, at communion time is symbolic, isn't it, of the broken body that Jesus gave for his people. Uh, and the cup, the wine that we drink, is symbolic of the new covenant in his blood. In other words, the body and blood of Jesus Christ are at the very heart of Almighty God's relationship to his people. And the Lord's Supper was inaugurated just very shortly before Jesus went to the cross, because it was at the cross, of course, that all these things came together, that Jesus did sacrifice his physical body and shed his actual physical blood, because he was wholly human, remember, as well as holy God, uh, shed his actual blood for the sins of mankind. And, and that had been prophesied centuries before, uh, multiple times, maybe the most clear was Isaiah 53, these famous words, he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. Speaks about the great exchange. I noticed you had the screw tape letters by C.S. Lewis out there. I think the great exchange was another one of Lewis's works, or certainly an expression he coined. But the moment when, when Jesus Christ died in the place of sinners like us. And looking back at John 6 for a minute, see how Jesus puts it himself in verse 51. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. And he's speaking in the most vivid terms possible of, of giving his flesh, his body for the world. And notice how throughout um, John chapter 6 that Jesus in his conversation here with these people makes himself the absolute center. And that was why what he, he said sounded so outrageous to the religious leaders. It is, it is of his body and his blood that people are summoned to partake. And we must say, therefore, it is the case that, that true religion will always exalt and make much of Jesus. True religion will always make much of and exalt Jesus. So how then do we go about feeding on Jesus or drinking his sacrifice? Well, it's interesting that right throughout John 6, again and again, Jesus makes it clear that he is calling people to believe. Simple as that. Some examples, verse 29, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he sent. Verse 35, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. Verse 40, for my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him will have eternal life. And lastly, verse 47, I tell you the truth, he who believes has everlasting life. Wonderful promises, aren't they? Amazing. In other words, it is by faith. It is by believing in our hearts 
that Jesus has died for us and, and putting our trust in him, that we are united to him. Putting our trust in him, coming to him, believing in him. And to think again about the bread illustration, I mean, bread is, is by definition of no benefit at all if it's not actually eaten, is it? It's not enough to be in close proximity to it. It's not enough to be associated with the bread or to be uh, with other people who are eating the bread. Or it's not enough to know about bread, how it's made and so forth. Um, it's not enough to simply visit the bakery, as it were, even every Sunday. You know, a man may find himself in the, in the larder, in the ingredient room of an artisan bakery, surrounded by bread of every kind, and yet starve to death if he does not actually eat it for himself. And I'm going to quote from um, Calvin's Institutes here, one of the, I suppose, one of the founding, founding documents, or we may say, of, of Presbyterianism. Um, John Calvin, the great reformer who so influenced uh, John Knox, and in whose legacy we, we, we still stand here in the Church of Scotland today. Um, this is what Calvin said, and, and these are incredible words. I just came across these when I was getting ready for today. I'd long since forgotten them, but Calvin says this, so long as we are without Christ and separated from him, nothing which he suffered and did for the salvation of the human race is of the least benefit to us to communicate to us the blessings which he received from the Father. He must become ours and dwell in us. And so Jesus, the bread of life, must be received by believing. Each one must eat for herself or himself. And, and this metaphor, this, this metaphor that Jesus very obviously deliberately chooses of eating his body and drinking his blood helps us to see the intensity, the, the intimacy, the deep union which occurs between a, a human being and the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, what, one more quotation. This, this is from an Anglican to give us a little bit of balance. This is from J.C. Ryle, who was the Bishop of Liverpool uh, at the end of the 19th century. Very wise words. He says, whenever a man, feeling his own guilt and sinfulness, lays hold on Christ and trusts in the atonement made for him by Christ's death, at once he eats the flesh of the Son of Man and drinks his blood. He feeds on Christ's sacrifice by faith. I think that's great. There's nothing mysterious about this. It's not some peculiar initiation ceremony. It's simply believing. It's simply coming and trusting in Jesus. And as we do that, as we continue to trust in him and feed upon him uh, every day and nourish ourselves uh, through fellowship with Jesus every moment of every day, we, we continue then to live in light of the cross in unbroken companionship with him. Uh, and in verse 56, that just follows on from our verse, Jesus says, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. It's ongoing. Now, very briefly, let's just look at a few more things from, from verse 54. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, 
has eternal life. Now let's look at those words in reverse order. Life. Bread, very obviously, gives life. And Jesus speaks, of course, of more than life in a temporal sense. He promises eternal life. And if you are a follower of Jesus Christ this morning, do you realize that you are immortal? That Jesus has endowed you with everlasting life? And our minds can scarcely conceive that, but it is true. There's no ambiguity about it because the very first word of, the, of that little sentence is has, that is, possesses eternal life. That promise comes from the lips of Jesus, so we do not need to doubt it. Satan, of course, is very good at causing us to doubt um, that we are Christians at time, if we've trusted Jesus, but we have that promise there. Has eternal life. And that brings us straight on then to the third point. Uh, Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up. I will raise him up. So we see here the Christian's uh, privileges are just so great because Jesus is now promising us resurrection. Now let's just break down this phrase to make sure we really get what he's saying. I will raise him up. Jesus, who, who himself, of course, was raised from the dead, he will in turn raise up his people. And he's emphatic. He says, I will raise him up. It's absolutely clear. No need to doubt this at all. And the substance of it, I will raise him up. And so this is a reminder, of course, that that to know Jesus is about a lot more than simply to go to heaven one day to be with him. Of course, we do. Christians will go straight to to the presence of Jesus when they die. That's very clear from the Bible. But the ultimate fulfillment of God's purposes for his people is that our physical bodies will be raised up as well, just like Jesus' physical body was. And in a mysterious way, we will be reunited with our souls in in a restored creation. God's vision, God's promise for his creation is nothing less than that, completely restored new creation, a new heavens, a new earth. And, and this is comforting, isn't it? It's comforting at the moment when um, so many people have been tragically lost to COVID and still are being. But as we, if we are Christians, if we are burying our dead, then we know it's not the end of their bodies, that they will be raised. If they belong to Jesus Christ, they will be raised from the dead one day. I will raise him up at the last day. That's what Jesus says here. I will raise him up, her up, at the last day. And that tells us as well, of course, that there will be a last day. Not just our last day, but the last day. And I wonder how often we think about that. I think I don't very much. But do we ever wake up and and consider that that this day or any day that we are blessed to be alive could be the last day? The last day, the day of which the the New Testament speaks a lot, and the Old Testament as well, actually, when, when life as we know it shall come to an end because Jesus has come back to return for his bride, that is, the church, Uh, and to judge all mankind. Many verses we can mention, but in Matthew 24, 
very clear. Jesus says, at that time, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky. We don't know exactly what that means, but in some very visible way. And the nations, all the nations of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky. So it will be very visible with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of the heavens to the other. It's incredible, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's equally wonderful and terrifying at the same time. But, you know, if we know Jesus, if we have simply put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, then, then this is a day that we can fix our minds on. When all the suffering and pain and illness and all the things that make life on earth really tough and miserable sometimes, all of that will come to an end forever. Speaks about that in Revelation, doesn't it? Of every tear being, um, being dried up, which is beautiful. But we must say as well, if, if, if we do not know Jesus, then this should make us fearful. It's meant to. Because if, if, if we don't know Jesus, if we haven't trusted him, then what will happen is we would be ushered into the presence of God before his judgment seat, having not availed ourselves of the free pardon that is now offered to us in Christ by feeding upon him. And an urgent consideration of these things should surely drive us to Jesus Christ. Even this day, even this day, if there we leave the building or if we're listening online, um, dare, we, dare we stop listening without having made certain of our standing with this almighty God, that one day, all of us, that's the one thing we can all be certain of, one day, each and every one of us will stand before God's judgment seat. And we must, we must have made sure that we have received that pardon that is ours or held out to us in Jesus Christ. And in fact, one of my very favorite Bible verses is also in John chapter six, verse 37, where we have this incredible promise from Jesus himself uh, John 6, 37, second part, whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. Whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. What a precious promise that is. And that, of course, is also what we find in the very first word of verse 54, where it says this, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. Nobody is excluded from this. Nobody is not given the invitation. Jesus' gift of himself, of everlasting life, is for any and all who will come and receive him, no matter what we may have done. And how can this be? Well, it is, of course, because of the cross, where Jesus has already borne the wrath of God against every sin, wrong, committed by all people who will come to him. And it doesn't really matter how hideously we may have messed up, whether it's violence, addiction, the occult, sexual promiscuity, whatever it is, we've all been there, we've all done it. It's no barrier to coming to Jesus. Indeed, that's why we need him in the first place, because we all need his healing. And contrary to what some people think, the message of the Bible is not sort yourself out so you can come to Jesus. It's come to Jesus and let him sort you out. And as he himself said elsewhere, it's not uh, the healthy that need a doctor, but the sick. And, and the problem, of course, 
with the religious authorities in Jesus' day is they did not realize that they were sick and they needed him. Now, the Bible is clear, of course. Jesus was very clear. We are to repent. We are to turn away from the things we used to do, to, to leave behind all that God's word forbids. But it's God himself, through his indwelling power, that gives us the strength we need for that. And that's a lifelong battle, of course, as, as, as all of us who, who are Christians here will know. It's not, a, it's not a one-off. It is brutal at times, every single day. But this is the day of salvation, isn't it? Now is the opportunity to give Jesus ourselves. And if we've not done that, well, in simple faith and repentance, we can come to Jesus and be assured that we will receive this promise of eternal life that is offered. Uh, so I'd like to finish by reading again from the Old Testament uh, some lovely words from the prophecy of Isaiah. This is chapter 55. Well-known words and just, yeah, I guess just really reflect what we've been looking at this morning. So let's just take a moment to drink deeply of these words of God and, and to meditate upon them before we pray. Isaiah 55, come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters and you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, Listen to me and eat what is good, and your soul will delight in the richest of fare. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the evil man his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord, and he will have mercy on him and to our God, for he will freely pardon. Amen. Let us, let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for sending him into our world. We thank you for his invitation that to come and feed upon him. We thank you for his death and resurrection. We ask that you would grant us the, the faith to believe in him, that you would help us to uh, trust in him and his promises and in his death and in his new life that he offers. Help us as we continue as your people in our daily battle with uh, sin and the world and the devil and we thank you so much gracious God that your promise to sustain us to the end but guard us please when the fight can be brutal at times. Lord we thank you too for the invitation that goes out from your word. Uh, Lord, thank you that this is the day uh, of, of, of opportunity and almighty God, just help us to seize hold of, uh, of these wonderful truths today. So Lord, watch over us as we continue to, in, in our brief time of worship, watch over each one of us as we go from this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to our Sunday podcast today from GMC in Dunfermline, Scotland. For more details about who we are, what we believe and how we serve, visit our website at gillespiechurch.org or find us on Facebook and YouTube. All inquiries can be made through the Contact Us page of our website or by calling the office. 
If you'd like to support our work with a few quid, then offerings can be made through the Support Us with Stewardship icon on the homepage of the website. This has been a production from GMC, including the pastors and tech team. All copyright remains with the producers. Today's episode was edited by Jack Wiggle, and the contributing music is Up to the Moon from Low Tree. Thanks for listening, and God bless. Thank you.